Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. Hi, Billy. Can you come to work a bit early? Billy, what's that? Well, never mind her. My goat's a tad ornery. I ain't take her for a walk yet. You have a pet goat? Yes, ma'am. And you take her for a walk? Well, I can't let her walk herself. She'll chase cats and get lost. Your goat goes on walks and chases cats? Yes, ma'am. And I thought I heard it all. What's her name? Billy. Your cat chasing female goat is called Billy. Yes, I'm named her after myself, Billy Goat Jr. Hold up. Your middle name is Goat? Look at Wes. Do you need me to come in early? Um, yes, please. I'll be there in half an hour. I need to walk little Billy. Do what you gotta do, son. We'll see you soon. Jim's Razorback Pizza. Blessed to serve you. Eat Jim's RazorbackPizza.com. Welcome back to the Empire Builders Podcast. Steven, this is episode 57. Unbelievable. 57? Isn't that amazing? Just amazing how time flies. And when I got thinking about it, let me ask you a question. When you think about products, Dave, what product comes to mind when you say the number 57? Oh, that would be Heinz. That would be Heinz. So today, we're going to talk about Heinz. But isn't that incredible? Like, I did not prep you on this. And yet you say to people in number 57, people immediately go, Heinz ketchup. So now there's a whole ton of things that we could talk about when it comes to Heinz. You could do like, I mean, we could do probably, God, I don't know how many podcasts we do. But what we're going to talk about today is ketchup, because that's really the thing that got things going for Heinz. So Heinz was founded by Henry J. Heinz in January of 1869. And what Heinz did at that time is they did a variety of bottled and pickled products. But things weren't going so great because in 1875, Henry Heinz went off to debtor prison. Debtor prison. So they were founded long enough ago that there was still debtor prison. Yes, sir. And he spent a year in debtor prison. And then in 1876, he traveled off to the UK. Let's just fast forward a little bit. Today, 60% of the retail ketchup market in the US is Heinz. And on March 12, 2013, Heinz was sold to Berkshire Hathaway in 3G Capital for $23 billion. I didn't know that. I was unaware that Uncle Warren picked up Heinz. He, along with 3G Capital, they bought it together. So now back to Henry. So after Henry gets out of debtor prison, he travels to the UK and he gets inspired by a bottle of ketchup, you know, C-A-T, the C-A-T version. Fermented fish guts is essentially what it's made. So it's this fish sauce that's really used to hide the taste of rancid meat. It's kind of disgusting stuff, actually. But it got him thinking, what if he could replace the fish bits with something better like ripe tomatoes? So he returned to the U.S. and started to work on the recipe. And 
H.J. and his brother John emptied out their mother's savings and started experimenting. They wanted to make something with this really broad appeal, and they experimented with a lot of things, including green tomatoes. What they discovered is that when you use ripe red tomatoes, it makes it thicker because of all the pectin in the tomatoes. So that's where they landed. Think about this. You get out of debtor prison, you go to the UK, you see this fermented fish gut product and say to yourself, I can do this with tomatoes. You go, you clean out your mother's savings and you're off to the races, right? <laughs> so they developed ketchup and it really started to sell well. It was actually doing very, very well. But the next thing that they did is they put the ketchup in clear bottles so that the customers could see the product. And they were really one of the first to do that. Before that, okay. everything was always in green or colored bottles. They were one of the first to do this whole idea of packaging into a clear bottle. But the real growth is about to start. So on a trip to New York, Henry's riding on an elevated train and he sees this huge billboard for a shoe company advertising 21 varieties of shoes. 21 varieties of shoes. And he loves this idea, but he decides he needs a different number. So he decides on the number 57 because five is his lucky number and seven is his wife's lucky number. So he decided on the number 57 before he came up with 57 things. At that time, they were already making more than 57 things. They had probably 100 or so products. So 57 okay. was completely made up. Five's my lucky number. Seven's my wife's lucky number. I like the looks of the number 57. We're doing 57. It seems to be a memorable number. It seems it, it to seems be. It seems that it worked. Yeah. And Henry didn't let the facts get in the way of a good story, right? Like it was, I'm going to use 57. 57 is way more popular than more than 50. Heinz goes ahead and launches this aggressive advertising campaign featuring 57 and sales explode. So by 1900, so you think about this, they launched the ketchup in 1876. By 1900, so just, you know, 20, 30 years later, they are the fastest growing company in the United States. Wow. Fastest growing company, period. Fastest growing company, period, in the United States. But to keep up with that growth, they have to do another innovation. And H.J. Hines invented what's called the continuous flow assembly line. And they launched this in 1898, 15 years before Henry Ford did the moving assembly line. So when you're making food, up to that point, how you're doing food products is, you know, you'd make a vat of food. Yeah, right. You'd cook it up, big batch, and then you'd bottle it. And then you'd make another batch. And then you'd run your assembly line and bottle it, and you'd make another batch. So it'd be like, make a batch, yeah. bottle, make a batch, bottle. What he figured, he said, well, wait a minute. I start one here, and then a few days later, I start the next. And a few days later, I start the next. A few days later, I start the next. And then what happens is I'm able to keep my bottling going all the time because by the time yeah. I finish bottling the first one, the second one's ready. So that's called a continuous flow assembly line, and that's how food is made today. Yeah. Very cool. It was Henry who invented this idea to keep up with this massive growth. As much as Henry did a lot of innovative things, you know, in terms of the 57 and marketing and, and creating ketchup and putting it in clear bottles and making this continuous flow assembly line, he was not a nice competitor. Let's make no mistake. He was tough. One time he bought up all the glass he could, got his hands on all the glass he could, used what he needed, floated the rest out into the Potomac River and sank it so that his competitors wouldn't have glass for bottling their product. I don't know that you could corner the market on, on the raw materials for glass. That's 
that's <laughs> the, were they using the same bottles or well yeah like basically he bought up all the glass he could because people yeah. were putting things in glass bought up all the glass he could and if you think about it this is kind of like what rockefeller did with barrels back in the early days of the oil industry right when he bought up all the barrels and all of a sudden you know he had the corner on the oil industry because he was the only one who had barrels i wonder whether rockefeller got the idea from heinz i find doing things like that changing your strategy your tactics based on making things difficult for competitors is a weird business strategy it takes the focus off what you're doing and what you're doing for your customers i think it does. And it's good that practices like that are frowned upon as much as possible. But here is another area where Henry was also very competitive, but this was good for customers. So let's come okay. back to this because at this time, there were a lot of copycats for his product and a lot of people making really poor quality products. When we go back into the early 1900s, it was the Wild West in the food industry. Yeah. Look, here's some of the common practices. Pickles were colored with copper to make them look more green. Laundry bluing was put in milk to make it look more white. Formaldehyde was being put in whiskey. It was a wild west in terms of crap being put in products. Yeah. And Henry Hines was dedicated to making things with good quality ingredients. That was one thing that they never varied from. And along comes Teddy Roosevelt. And when he won his second presidency, one of his platforms was to create a food standard. And Henry lobbied Teddy Roosevelt. And in 1906, basically, the Food and Drug Administration Act passes. Okay. Basically putting these standards in place for food. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Two words. Lead flow. If you want to grow your business, lead flow is, well, not everything, but it sure can feel that way. You feel the need, the need for leads. And then there's the gnawing questions that plague you whenever you try to boost lead flow. Are you targeting the right customer? Are you saying the right things? Are you advertising in the right places? Are you spending too much or too little? And the ever-present, how can I best use social media? What if you could get those questions answered definitively in 90 minutes? You'd no longer feel the need for leads because now you'd know how to get them. That's what Empire Builders is offering you right now for free and with a guarantee to boot. Go to empirebuildersprogram.com, book a 90-minute Zoom meeting with the Empire Building expert, and boom, questions answered, problems solved. We'll give you the real answers, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yes, our famous no pitching and no bitching guarantee. First, we won't pitch you at all. Seriously. If you want to work with us beyond our meeting, you'll have to explicitly ask about moving forward. And the bitching part? If you're not satisfied with the answers, say the word. And I'll pay you cold hard cash for your wasted time. No hard feelings. Now that's a guarantee. Look, empire builders take action. If lead flow is an issue for you, take action on it. Book your Zoom meeting at empirebuildersprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. 1919, H.J. Hines dies in 1919, and the business carried on and did a lot of really incredible things. Like in World War II, they got really big into canned beans, and today they do 
you know, a million and a half cans a day. And by the mid-1950s, the business is being run by the grandson, Jack. And one mm. of the things that was interesting about Jack, and this was a bit of the history of Heinz, all of the advertising being done by Heinz was personally approved by Jack. No committees. Okay. And this showed the importance that the Heinz Corporation had around ads. It wasn't a committee that did it. It wasn't some other department. It was the president of the company approved the ads. That's right? pretty cool. Yeah. And they continued to be very innovative because also around the 1950s, there was this emergence of fast food. And again, they're looking outside the business, right? Because you could sit there and say their business is the consumer at home. But they're looking out and they see this emergence of fast food. And so guess what they decide to do is develop the single serve. The little packets. The little packets. They were the ones who developed that. They strike a deal with McDonald's for exclusivity and later Wendy's and Burger King. And these little single serve packets become half their sales. As a kid, ketchup, ketchup, however you want to say it, almost specifically Heinz ketchup was the only form of tomatoes that I would eat. Yeah, I think that's not unusual. One of my kids was like that. Jennifer was like that when she was little as well. It was like, couldn't get her to eat a tomato, but boy, she loved ketchup. I didn't like marinara sauce, but I like ketchup. The old glass bottles, it seems like I recall that they were engineered to make that ketchup flow slowly out. Like it, you could hardly get Heinz ketchup out of one of those glass bottles. You're pounding on the bottom of it. You'd have to break the kind of the vapor lock by sliding a knife down into the neck of the bottle so you could get the ketchup to come out. Well, remember they had those great ads all around that. Remember the ads with, yeah. with the Carly Simon you know, anticipation, right? Like they were great ads. But you know what? They didn't stop innovating there because along comes in 1983, the first squeezable bottle. Uh-huh. Right? So while that anticipation part was really great, they then realized that, wait a minute, we could put this in a plastic bottle, make it a squeezable bottle. And in the 80s, their sales double. You get more ketchup out, so you probably end up wasting more ketchup. Your sales are going to go up. Because you got way more on your plate than you used to be even able to get out of the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> People also like that innovation. And then, of course, in 2013, the business gets sold for $23 billion to Warren Buffett and company. They spent a lot of time and money to solve the watery ooze problem. Are you familiar right. with that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Any kind of vegetable product like that, like ketchup, it sits long enough and then liquid just sort of seeps out. So you end up with this sort of clear liquid that when you first tip the bottle over, that's what you get out on your plate. They innovated a bottle cap design that sort of captured that liquid on these plastic bottles so that the, the liquid gets stuck in the cap and the ketchup comes out. The, wow. And then my favorite innovation, I like to tell young people especially, you know, I'm so old that I can remember when ketchup bottles didn't have a sphincter. <laughs> Dave, this is the second time you've talked about the ooze. The last time I talked about it was way back when we did the Gaja episode. You wanted to talk about about, about the watery the, ooze. Uh, about the watery ooze. So you have a little bit of a, you have a little bit of a problem, my friend. It's, a, it's such a horrible name for, for something, isn't it? It's like, oh, that's a that's a food problem. Yeah, watery ooze. Yeah. <laughs> but one last thing, hey, trivia question: What country consumes the most amount of ketchup per capita? I mean, my assumption would be the U.S., but I'm probably wrong because I'm very U.S.-centric in my thinking. It's Canada. Canada consumes, it? yes. And oh, good on you. One of the first plants that was built by Heinz for making ketchup was in Leamington, Canada in 1906. And that 
plant is still running today, you know, a few upgrades, but it's now owned by French's. I think of French fries in Canada as poutine. I figure you'd be eating a lot of gravy on your fries. <laughs> I guess there's a lot of Canadians like putting ketchup on other stuff as well. Everything else, yeah. Everything yeah. else. Like when we look at Heinz ketchup in particular, huge amounts of innovation that they did. And in a lot of cases, really paying attention to looking outside. Like we're often talking about this when it comes to, you know, building empires and new innovation. It doesn't come from looking at your industry. You know, Henry Hines, the whole idea of ketchup came from looking at a product in the UK and going, huh, that's really interesting. What if I did this and made it better? And then saw the innovation going on in the food industry. And said, well, fast food, there's a way for us to take advantage of that. Packaged in an innovative manner with the glass bottles. You know, there's actually a massive amount of innovation some of it was new ideas created by them, but a lot of them were things that they learned by looking outside their business and really keeping an eye on that and also really recognizing the importance of marketing. You know, the 57 idea was created by Henry Hines and that even later in the business, it was the president of the company who solely approved ads. And it's interesting because there's a lot of other big companies that we can look at that took their marketing that seriously. And a great example is Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs picked and approved ads. Even when, and there's famous examples of Apple advertising ads where the focus group and the board were against the ad. And Jobs went, screw it, we're running that ad. And often those were their best ads. And in some cases, have been proven to be the most effective ads in advertising. So to me, the other lesson in all of this is your marketing and how you're telling your story to the world is really important. And, you know, yes, others are going to produce it, but the decision-making being completely delegated off to others. I think the metaphor of a ketchup product, why do we think Heinz is the best? It's the thickest. It's been consistent, right? And other ketchups seem to be watered down, seem to be thin, seem to be... It's sad when you finally get some on your plate or try to get some on a French fry and it just doesn't stick. And I think you could take that metaphor and apply it to advertising. It's going to be concentrated. It's going to be full strength. If you just have one person that ultimately says yes or no and has the kind of the voice of the brand, the direction that they want to take it, and when you put it into a committee, you water it down. You, yeah. you create something that's thin and bland, and you might make a little bit more money per serving because you've managed to get something that people need more of to even make them mildly happy, but doesn't make for a strong brand. There's a lot of truth to it. There's a lesson to be there, but that was also backed up with their real dedication to quality products. Mm -hmm. There was a very strong dedication to that. So I think there's a lot to learn from Heinz ketchup. And we're going to come back and revisit Heinz because there's a bunch of other interesting things that they also did in other areas of their business. Okay. Look, you know, they became a $23 billion, you know, empire. That's, and at one point, the fastest growing company in the United States, which is pretty Amazing. impressive. Amazing story. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at theempirebuilderspodcast.com.